0: Love, Talk Radio.
1: It's Sunday evening and welcome to
2: Pazim Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining, Jeremy Dunn, and Jack McEnroth. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to pause I Am Radio.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Paz I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, joined by my co-host this evening, Jack McEnroth. Jack, how are you doing this weekend?
3: I'm great. It's been so amazing in New York, the weather. I think it's been really nice there, too, right?
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Can you hear me okay?
3: Yeah, I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you perfect. I just want to make
1: sure because I'm not using my phone tonight. I'm using headphones.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Very, how very Janet Jackson of you. You sound
1: fine, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it's been lovely here, actually. It was like 74 today.
3: Excellent, excellent. How are your um, shingles doing? Like, uh, I know you, I see your postings on Facebook and it's still not that great, huh?
1: No, they're still like very bad shooting pains. Um, they're, they're just healing, so it's just a process. It's, um, tomorrow will be three weeks.
3: Wow. How long did they, what was the, the ETA of healing? Like what did they tell you? How long it would it take?
1: They didn't really give me one.
3: Uh, and so what are you taking, like, acyclovir or, like, one of those? Like
1: I was taking uh, Valtrex.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so
1: I, I, mean, I took weird. that for 10 days.
3: Oh, so you're, it's done and you're, they're, they just have to kind of go away on their own, or is that what they tell you?
1: No, that's what I assume. I'm going to call the doctor tomorrow because I'm running out of pain meds and I'm in really bad pain. Right. That's so I'm bad. going to call and see if they should be gone by now if, you know, um... Then still hurting is normal. A lot of people said it could take over a month to heal, and then they could never heal. You know, you can deal with um, the nerve damage for years.
3: Oh, God.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah I,
3: don't, I, not, yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about it to weigh in, but I hope that's, that's not what happens to you, definitely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that was so, Well, you
3: know, the big event this weekend here was, it was the Black Party Weekend. So, um, it was actually very apparent downtown in Chelsea, because you could, well, number one, it was the first nice weekend, basically, we've had, so everybody was out, and, um, you know, my gym was crazy with all these muscle boys getting ready for the Black Party, so it was funny.
1: What is the Black Party?
3: The Black Party is this big circuit party, and it's sort of leather-themed, um, uh, but a lot of people come from all over the country to go for to go to it so i went i i went twice in like i think nineteen ninety four and ninety five and I have pictures from it and it's funny, but now it's just mayhem so i actually it star i think people go at like two and it's still going i believe i think um it started last night at around eleven and then a lot of people go at like three in the morning and then it it ends at like noon or something today, and then, the, then there was an after party, it was just crazy, it's one of those crazy, crazy, crazy events, so, I happened to walk past the venue where it was today at, like, noon after going swimming, and it just smelled like party
0: <laughs> coming out the door, so,
3: some very, some very lascivious things go on in there, so,
1: yeah, I'm sure. I'm glad I'm not a part of that scene anymore.
3: Oh, me too. Definitely. I, I wonder I mean, if
1: it's the same as the event that we have here in Philly. Philly. I've never been to it, but it's a really big event they call Blue Ball.
3: Yeah, well, I think that, oh, there's a bunch of them. There's Black and Blue in Montreal. There's, I mean, I think a lot of those are similar in feel. I think Black Party is just the biggest one. It's a Roseland, and it's part of the Saint Parties, which are you know, these renowned old-school circuit parties, and, um, you know, the tickets were like $125, and it's pretty crazy.
1: Wow. Yeah, that sounds like Blue Ball. So, yeah, it's probably very similar.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm just removed from that whole circuit life. I don't have a part of that anymore, so. But, you know, I'm sure they had fun. (laughs) Boys, Boys will be boys. Uh, I love
1: that you said it smelled like party was coming out of the door. It
3: did. It literally smelled like a mixture of, like, cigarettes and sex and dancing and sweat and, like,
0: bleh.
3: I was like, oh, God, I'm so <laughs> glad I'm not in there. It's like the sun is beating down on me, and I just think, like, oh, my God, being in a pair of leather pants in, like, the dark with, like, Thousands, thousands of other sweaty people. It's not my fantasy right now, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, hey, probably you know, they were off all night. <laughs>
3: yeah, there's a time and a place, you know, but not anymore. Thankfully, I left that behind, so...
1: That's interesting. So, um, tonight um, we have a, a guest on, one of your friends, so uh, they're on hold right now, so I want you to tell us a little bit about our wonderful guest well, this evening.
3: Well, why don't you bring her oh. slash him on, because I mean, I he's... he's I met I've only met him as his alter ego, Poya, Poya Del Mar, which is she um she she he can tell you much more about what she does, but you know, I she's besides being like a fabulous drag queen and um performer in San Francisco, she does a lot of um HIV AIDS activism. She also I know she does her own radio shows so she can update us on what's going on with that. She just recently we talk on Twitter and stuff too and she she's been having some meetings about throwing HIV benefits. So bring her on and we'll talk all about it. She's on. Well, fabulous. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi. Welcome
2: to
0: the
2: show. Thanks so much for having me. First of all, Jack, it's a pleasure always to work
3: with you. And Robert, thank you for having me on.
1: Well, thanks well, for coming thank on. Thank you.
3: And uh, um, for the, the listeners that don't know, we actually had a guest cancel. So thank you for... Well, I did this one for you, actually. I think you had... I guess cancel and I like filled in with like forty five minutes notice. So <laughs> it's so hey, payback. It
2: is payback. And I love it. Good.
3: Love the opportunity to work with you. So thank you. Of course. So well, before we delve into your fabulous life, what was the meeting that you just had recently that you were t- that you were twittering about?
2: Well, um, I think you're talking about my meeting with the executive director of the. San Francisco uh, nonprofit organization, Bay Area Young Positive.
0: Okay.
3: And
2: the, the Bay Paws uh, organization works with kids who are – well, they're kids to me. They're 18- to 24-year-olds who are HIV positive. And it provides them a lot of resources, social activities, and things to do so they don't feel so disenfranchised,
3: you know, after their diagnosis, which is so incredibly important, I think. And awesome. So, so basically you were just talking – you were going to throw a benefit – with them involved or something like that? Yeah, I'm actually really hoping to, because as you mentioned I
2: think um, just a few minutes ago that recently I did a big benefit with Angina from RuPaul's Drag Race, which you guys have had on, he's a good friend of both of ours, and we raised uh, $3,000 for local nonprofits that deal with and help people who have HIV and AIDS, so we're looking to do something similar to that with this specific cause in mind. I'm working really hard, I've got my fingers crossed that we'll be able to bring in Jessica Wilde from Season 2 of RuPaul's Drag Race to really kind of up the ante and bring people in to support our cause. Oh, good.
1: Which one's uh, Jessica Wilde?
2: Jessica Wilde is the one who you may remember. She's Puerto Rican, and she played the chicken on the episode Yeah, I love oh, She's fabulous.
1: Yes, and yes.
2: She just won the Rock and Roll Challenge.
1: Yeah, um, she's so.
3: hilarious.
1: She's hilarious.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's she is hilarious she's really beautiful she's also extremely nice and has such a good heart um it's one of the things that to be honest as a viewer of this season i feel like some of the girls seem to be missing there doesn't seem to be that kind of social activism uh socially conscious atmosphere that they bring with them and
3: i think that jessica is one of the people who does that so i'm yeah that's basically been the complaint i've heard from everyone that like I mean the show is great and, and uh, people really like it and I think actually they, it's been more polished this season, but that the actual contestants are kind of nasty and bitchy and people actually don't want to see that. It's like I think what who really like that's why Angina has kind of become like Jennifer Hudson of Drew Drag Race, because she was so sweet and you know, some of the ones who may, may have made it further but were kind of nasty like you've never really heard from mm-hmm. again, like Rebecca Glasscock. Yeah
0: comes to mind. That's
3: absolutely
2: it. I mean, I I know it's a contest, and I know that when you put people who are competitive um, into that kind of environment, it brings out some of the worst qualities in those individuals. However, um, you know, it could be because I'm also probably 10 years older than most of the contestants on there, but at this stage in my life, like, I really don't believe that I want to compromise who I am as a person and my personal integrity to win something like that. And do do we really want as a drag performer myself, like the last thing I want is a nasty bitch to be considered America's next top drag superstar. You know, I don't want that negative stereotype to be kind of perpetuated. And it's also, I have to say really quickly that it is not at all the type of personality that I know my drag performer friends to be, you know, of course we all know people who are ugly and evil, but especially in San Francisco, like I just, To make this call, I just walked out of a a fundraising event where we're raising money. And, you know, the drag community does so much good here.
0: We raise so much money
2: for worthy worthy nonprofits and organizations that are in need, people in need, that the last thing I want is people to watch a television show like this, which, in RuPaul's own words, introducing or reintroducing the world to drag, and for them to think that these evil, (laughs) vile people are what we are, you know?
0: Well, I think
3: that's, like in any industry, the – you know, the someone who's nasty and has a mean spirit—it's not going to lie. Even if they are fun to watch on TV for the bitch factor, aren't going to make it very long. in, in general, because people don't want to work with them, and you know, the the true the true personality eventually rises to the surface. So well, we kind of we kind of segued back, but I want for people who don't know the fabulous you yet, yeah, like give us your bio. I want like tell everyone all about you.
2: You know, that is so hard to do, Jack, because of the fact that, like, I prefer my work to speak for itself, generally speaking. I don't want to have to tell people that I'm fabulous. I, I, <laughs>
0: well, I already,
3: told, I already told them, so you can just give us the facts, lady.
0: Okay, so these are the
3: facts. <laughs> these are the facts about me. Um, right now I am a celebrity
2: journalist, here. That's what my career is in my day life. I interview celebrities for local publications and publications from The Advocate all the way down to – uh, Bay Area gay, lesbian publications. I write a column called the Glamazon Diaries in the weekly San Francisco Bay Times newspaper. I am a blogger for a number of uh, both gay and uh, straight or kind of alternative weekly publications. And I do a lot of fundraising. I'm involved in an organization called the Grand Ducal Council of San Francisco. It's a a, a drag nonprofit organization that's been around for 37 years. and. Um, I have a goal this year of raising $25,000 for local charities. So that's kind of a, a nutshell of what
3: I do and who I am. So. And and I mean, that's that's how, how we met initially, and I didn't know it was you. Tell them the story of how we met.
0: <laughs>
3: well, I'm going to tell <laughs> details you probably don't want to know. So I actually <laughs> met – Jack came out to an event that
2: I was hosting um, here in San Francisco, and, and I recognized him, and I introduced myself,
3: and I was in drag, and but um, had not you inter- – yeah. now, correct me if I'm wrong, but hadn't you interviewed me prior, and I didn't know oh, yeah, that? Absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay.
2: And I came up to him, and I said, hi, my name is Poirot Del Mar. You may or may not remember, but I introduced I-, I interviewed you for a local publication when you were coming to do some AIDS charity work, and I wanted to um, just introduce myself since you're here. And so we started talking, and it- for those who are listening who have never had the opportunity to, to meet Jackie, he- I'm going to say you did not come across as my favorite person on your season of Project Runway, but – Um, I don't even know anybody else who was on that season I can't even remember who they were but you are as you said people's true personality shines through and it makes them lasting and you have lasted and um, you're a beautiful spirit and I love you for that thank you so (laughs) so much more than a pretty face listeners and a a gorgeous body much more than that (laughs) stop you're making him blush all right uh, I can't see that he's blushing (laughs) <laughs>
1: so tell us about the name. Where did the name come from?
2: God, it, it's a long, convoluted story that doesn't need to be told in its entirety, but the basis of it is that one day I was having lunch at this restaurant, and their, their lunch special was Delicia Del Mar, which is delicacies or deliciousness of the sea. And I jokingly told – this was years and years ago, and I said to my friend, if I ever do drag, that's going to be my drag name. But um, about the time years go by and around the time I get, was getting ready to perform – that incident with um, Jessica Simpson and the chicken and fish thing happened. I, I thought it was so funny. And um, I just love a dumb blonde. You know, I love it. And I I love people who kind of are able to poke fun at themselves. And she fortunately was able to do that after making an idiot of herself nationally and internationally. But uh, so I just thought it was a really hilarious name. And it doesn't sound like necessarily – um, I, I didn't want to be a, you know, whatever, a Felicia or an Anastasia or a Rebecca or, you know, whatever. I didn't want to be that. Right. Because the last thing, when I'm not in drag, I'm pretty much a boy. Like, I'm all boy, and I like scruffy and, like, uh, I, I think that for outwardly speaking, I look a little bit butch. And the last thing I wanted to do is be walking through the Castro one day and somebody scream across the street,
0: Felicia, Felicia. Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> not, not girl, you Felicia. know they do
3: that anyway. You know they do that anyway. Because I'll be walking through Chelsea, and I, I, I mean, I've been drag on Halloween, but I don't have a drag name. And some people will be, some girl will be like, Mary, or, you know, so you can't get away from it. <laughs>
2: You know, if somebody else, if somebody comes up and says, hi, Pollo, to me when I'm a boy, it's not nearly as embarrassing if my name was, like, Meredith or something. That's you true. Know? That's true. Like, <laughs> Meredith Westbrook or whatever, you know. So, like, you know, I mean, Meredith. I mean, nothing makes a guy lose an erection faster than having to call you Felicia in bed. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, not
3: everyone, honey. There's some people that like that kind of thing. So, yeah, And
2: those are the ones I try to avoid. You know, I don't do that. I'll, I'll tell you, I've only ever kissed two people when I was in drag, ever, ever. Two people I've ever kissed in my whole life when I was in drag. One of them is my ex-boyfriend, and the other is Jack McEnroe. The night I met him, because he was a slut.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, you just keep telling yourself that story, honey. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I know you were um, going to go. You actually were thinking about trying out for RuPaul's Drag Race, and you had a very specific pl- platform that you wanted to, like, talk about. So, yeah, like, you know
2: what? That was the thing. When I um, – last season, uh, to cast the season two, they did this big online campaign, and that's actually where I met Jessica Wilde. Jessica Wilde and I were both in the top ten. There were over 4,000. I'm, I'm actually really proud of this because um, – it almost brings tears to my eyes to know that the the work I've done in our community here in San Francisco and throughout Northern California was so recognized by people that they turned out to support me the way they did. They cast 40,000 votes for me over a period of time. Um, Jessica Wild and I were in the top 10 flipping back and forth. Um, uh, She was number six and I was number seven and she was number seven and I was number six kind of thing. And um, the, the platform, what made me different I felt when I was campaigning for that show was that I wanted to go on there with this, uh, because I'm not a huge performer. That's not my, that's not my thing. That's not my shtick. I love to be a personality. I love to be seen, and I love to do good work in our community. And I really wanted to bring that kind of an aspect to the show where there was somebody on there who would go on and say, the reason specifically, the only reason I really want to do this, that I might want to turn my life upside down like this could is because if I were able to gain a little bit of national prominence on a television show it allows me the platform to talk about things that I feel are really impacting our community, like HIV and AIDS, like crystal meth addiction, like um, which, of course, crystal meth addiction and HIV and AIDS often in the gay community go hand in hand because one fuels the other, or the uh, you know, or reverse, depending. Right. And I, I really wanted to talk about that. I wanted to bring my own personal experiences with um, HIV and my own personal experiences with crystal meth to the forefront and let people know that um, if you're diagnosed with HIV, it doesn't mean the end of your world. Uh, it opens a whole new world to you, if anything. And if you uh, find yourself struggling with crystal meth addiction, that there is possibilities for a life completely abstinent and drug-free. So that's the kind of thing that I really wanted to be able to say. I, wanted, I was inspired by people like you, Jack, and I was inspired by people like Angina um, who went on to these television shows and were very open and upfront about who they are and what their life is like and how it has touched people.
3: Just you
1: know um, no, real uh, quick, Jack, that, that, that's interesting because I had no idea, honestly. You know what I mean? I'm not really out into the bar scene and I don't know much about, you know, drag queens. So I didn't really know who you were at first. And then when Jack introduced me to you and told me to you know, check it out, and I went and checked out all the information, your links, I looked you up on Wikipedia. And you're more than just a boy in a dress. And that's what people, you know, always associate a drag queen is just a boy in a dress. And you have done so many things like campaigning um, in California when the Prop 8 was going on and, and things that really mean a lot to, you know, a lot of people. And, and people need to, to understand that it's not just a boy a address. You know what I mean? Like you said, it's, your, it's a personality that you are and, and it's, you're doing wonderful things with it. And I just think people need to know that that it's more than just a boy in a dress because that's what people think when they think of drag queens and they're, you know, maybe heterosexual and they don't know what, you know, it really is like. So I just want to applaud you for that because you're doing great things.
2: Well, I really appreciate that. You know, and the thing about it I think that makes, um, for me, drag my drag authentic to people that makes it connect with people is that the value system that I have, the things that are important to me as a male, as Paul Pratt, that's my name, Um, the the things that are important to me in that shine through. And they're the things that I am able to really put myself out there at the forefront. It's interesting how people take notice. Uh, If I'm out in a crowd as a man, I may get uh, looked at for one reason, but if I'm out there in drag, people listen. It's empowering. It has given me a voice that I would never have had as, as just a person um, in the crowd. And I, I, Again, I think it's because I'm a little bit older than um, some of the girls that we see on Drag Race, for example.
0: Where like I six,
2: like six months, like six months older. Well,
3: <laughs> I'm six days
2: older. I was, you know, I was born on Tuesday and they were on Friday. Right, right, right. Um, but um, you know, but the thing is, I think that one of the things I recognize is that the the kind of empowerment that I feel is something that I feel some kind of an obligation to pass on to people that allows people in my community to benefit. You know, I think that if I can do fundraising events like the one with, uh, that China and I did a couple of weeks ago with the Grand Ducal Council of San Francisco where we raised $3,000 for three Bay Area small HIV-AIDS nonprofits that are struggling with budget cuts right now, that makes it worth it for me. Like there are days I – today I did not want to get up and put this makeup on, I'll tell you that. You know, I wanted to just – it was beautiful, sunny weather, and I wanted to be, go out and be a boy and get frisky or whatever I wanted to do. And,
0: but, um, but there's
2: an, you know, there's some obligation that goes with that. And the people of the community have, have given me so much, and it's just really my responsibility and obligation to give that back to them, I think. And I just want to say,
3: I'm, you know, regardless of what drag does for a person – and, I mean, I think you've obviously done amazing things with having attention and a platform – but I've worked with a ton of drag queens, and and for people that aren't associated with, you know, drag, it's it's an art form. Like I'm constantly amazed by the what these guys put together to and do to themselves to transform themselves, and so beyond just, I mean, it's a skill. It's amazing. It's 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 not just a boy in a dress. It's it's all a whole lot more. But right? and then what you and then you just take it a step farther and use use that visibility to do amazing things, so. Well, I think that, you know, as a drag performer, there's so many
2: different avenues you can take. There are girls that I consider show queens, and their entire world revolves around um, a look that they develop this kind of, you know, whether it's their amazing evening gowns and jewelry or, right. or, or what, and their performance skills, their incredible dancers, or their, all of these things. And I don't have that interest, and I don't have those skills. But um, what I do think I bring to the plate And makes me special and unique is kind of that socially conscious aspect where when – and Robert brought up my work with Prop 8, and that was sheerly accidental. It was completely accidental. I went out there just as one other person among tens of thousands literally here in San Francisco who, upon finding out about the Prop 8 um, decisions and how it was going to be taking rights away from people, just went out to make our voices heard. And because of the fact that people recognized me, I, I went in drag. And um, because, that, because that's how people recognize me.
4: I went right. and dragged
2: to lend this face and that personality and persona to that cause in whatever small way. And when it happened that uh, we got to this big rally place, there was no speakers. And somebody in the crowd recognized me who had organized it and said, Gio, I want you to come up here, please. Boyo, come and talk. And, and I did. And it turned into this amazing thing, and it swept me into a whirlwind of little – political activism that I would have never foreseen previous to that. You know, I was much more content staying in the bar and raising some money for causes and um, doing work as a journalist to uh, talk to people who are experts in those areas or people who are of interest in those areas. You know, when we talk and I talk to you about your work with Merck and the kind of um, programs that you're putting together to help bring to light and, and, and kind of erase the stigma around HIV and AIDS, those are the kind of things I can do. Uh, right. Because I'm a journalist, and that's my ability, and that's what gifts I've been given. But when that happened, it just—I think that sometimes you just see the decisions in front of you, and you have to make a snap choice as to whether or not to jump in the stream and just go with it. Right. And I didn't It changed, it changed my life, and I—it I, led to some of my most the fondest memories I have, actually, in drag. So. It's interesting.
1: Well, I don't...
3: go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was going to say, um... go ahead, Jack. Go ahead.
3: Well, I was just going to ask about if we can talk a little bit about your own personal journey with with HIV. Like, I don't know if we've ever really gotten into it.
2: Um, No, we we haven't, and it's because of the fact that it's one of the few areas of my life that this is my first time really – my first time ever speaking publicly about it was at an HIV um, budget cuts rally here, and I've been asked to speak, and it really – was something that I wasn't sure that I was prepared to put out there, not because of the fact that I'm ashamed of it, not because I feel like there's a stigma associated to it, but it, because of the, the, uh, uh, in all honesty, it's because of the fact I've never presented it to my family. My family lives thousands of miles away, and I've right. never discussed it with them. And, um, and, and to this day, I've still never discussed it with them. And it's, I think that I battle with the same thing that so many people do, it's how do you tell people that you love that you have HIV without making them worry when my health is perfectly fine. Right. You know, and that's, um, that's the reason that I don't talk about, I've never, you know, I write these columns every week and I do a lot of stuff that's very personal to me um, in the media. And, but I've never discussed the issue because I, I didn't, I haven't brought that to my family firsthand. And I don't, I would hate for them to get it secondhand um, but at the same time, well, it's I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to just out
3: you. I apologize for that. No, no, mean. you,
2: you didn't. I, I said it myself. <laughs> like I, I knew when, when I got this email, I said to myself again, like I just mentioned two seconds ago, sometimes you're presented with opportunities and you have to make that snap decision as to whether or not, uh, to jump in the stream. And it's that time for me, you know, it's that time for me to jump into that stream and make myself visible once again, even if it's just here in my own community, um, right. somebody who's living with HIV and, and doing it successfully, living a full and wonderful, amazing life like I could not have imagined in 2001 when I was diagnosed. I could never have imagined this life. It's beyond anything I would have ever envisioned for myself. And there was a period of time that I I think you and I have talked about where uh, immediately following my diagnosis, I was diagnosed. I got my diagnosis on November 6, 2001, and I was – outwardly, I was very composed about it because I think I went into shock for quite a while. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what that meant. You know, I felt inwardly that it changed me in some way, that it made me a different person, but what has taken me a really long journey to recognize is that it hasn't, unless I choose to let it do that. If I choose to let it um, color every aspect of my life, if I choose to respond to a diagnosis with HIV as if it's going to end my world, or if I'm no longer worthy, or if I'm not a good person as a result of it, then that's how people are gonna see me because that's how I present myself. But the reality for me has been that um, HIV has brought into my life so many um, amazing gifts. It's brought people into me, it, you know, drawn people to me that I've developed wonderful, amazing, supportive relationships with. It has um, provided me a compassion and understanding that I don't think I had before, and I think that um, it allows me now, as somebody who's gone down that road, who's traveled through the diagnosis, who's gone through a lot of self-abuse where I jumped headlong into drug addiction and really kind of went off the deep end, I had that very very fatalistic kind of perception that we hear about so often where, I'm, well, I'm going to die anyway, and I'm going to just go out, you know, with a bang. And I, I've dealt with all that. So those kind of experiences have given me a strength I would have never had if I hadn't gone through it. And the biggest gift of all is being able to pass along that experience to somebody else in hopes that they know that they don't have to make those same choices.
3: Well, I would say, you know, I mean, especially people that write me or contact me and say that are freaking out about a new new HIV diagnosis. I'm like, I know you find it hard to believe right now, but when all this dust settles and you become kind of okay with it, I think – be, for me, like the benefits that I've received from an HIV positive diagnosis outweigh the, I mean, outweigh the negatives. I, I, not that I'm advocating that people should go out and get HIV, not at all, but I do think that it's very possible to to look at it as being a challenge that you overcome and become a better person for.
2: So well, I think that uh, in our lives we are presented every day with challenges and obstacles that depending on how we choose to look at them can really color the way our actions, you know, unfold going forward. And it can be anything. It's not about HIV or AIDS. It's not about right. uh, anything specific. Like we are every day presented these challenges. It's about how you see them. And in the moment, like when things are happening to you that you perceive as bad, that we place our own judgment on this is awful, this is bad, this is good, whatever, that judgment we read, when you're looking at it through the those eyes, like, and in that moment, you can't see what the long-term effects and benefits are going to be. And again, it's not a situation where um, people should be careless with their status and they should uh, put themselves at risk of contracting HIV, but the, the message is that if, in fact, you find yourself in a situation where you receive a diagnosis of being HIV positive, understand that, that once you get past those initial hurdles, once you've adjusted, as you said, and once you've come to terms and acceptance around it, you can then begin to see what the the positive aspects of it are, how you'll find out in many ways like people that you probably would never have thought would stand by you, stand by you, and they provide you the kind of love and support and reassurance that they may never have had the opportunity to present to you if things had been different.
3: Right.
1: Very interesting. I have some callers here um, sitting on hold who want to speak with you, so I'm going to go ahead and um, bring them on. This uh, person's been calling uh, since the beginning, so let's bring area code 347. What's your name and where are you calling from?
5: It's Angina, bitches. Hey! <laughs> no, listen, I- I was trying to call in because I'm, in, I'm at a party in Hollywood Hills, and it keeps cutting off. And I was like, oh, my God, I almost forgot that Pollo was going to be on Paz IM Radio. So I ran to my car where I can get service and wanted to listen in real quick and say how much I love you Because Obviously, I always, I always call in when, when I have a friend that's, you know, on here just to lend my support. And I just want to say I've been listening to it. And I, I just want to share to everyone how much I love all three of you. and and Pollo oh, for making uh, a weekend so amazing last, last week. Well, on Thursday night, actually. So. Well, I appreciate that. And I,
2: I love and adore you because of the fact that, as I said at that fundraising event we did, you're in a position in your life where you could have withheld your service from you know, the community here. You could have charged us for that. And you gave your time so freely. And I just think you're a wonderful, beautiful person. And I, and I love spending any time with you. So thank you.
5: Thank you. And, you know, Robert, I want to also thank you for, you know, hooking me up with all those people for the HIV and Me project. that I. Oh, yeah? Was fun? Um, yeah, it was really fun. I heard that, you know, most of these people got email, Adam, because of the information that you put out on your website. So I want to thank you. And, Jack, obviously, this weekend, it's always a pleasure to have you, you know, hang out and, and, and spend some time together. And you guys are all... Yes, it's
3: like we all, well, we all kind of well, Anjana, you've met all of us, so you're the you're the you're the connecting link.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, because because uh, you were just here in New York last over the weekend, so are you back in LA now? I guess you are in the Hollywood Hills, so you're home.
5: Right. So, um, there was a marathon today, and one of our friends ran it. So he's having an after party. I don't know who that's, that's
0: cute!
5: I guess people that live on the in the Hollywood Hills have after party for marathons. <laughs> <laughs> honey if I did a marathon
3: I'd have a big old after party like hello uh, I would too it would be called a wake it would be a funeral
0: so I would never <laughs> <Right>. a
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of him he plays 20 like you know hundreds of people so that's good oh good but um, I just wanted to call in I, I, I'm i going to get soon but I just wanted to call in and really share my love and you know my my, my about how, how much I'm thankful for being friends with three of you and what what you guys are doing for the community because these are the, exactly the things that I needed when I was going through my diagnosis and I people can really relate to information like the ones you guys are talking about. So I, I definitely want to commend the work that you guys all do. So I thank you and I, I want to say I love you guys. Oh, we love, we love you, too. too. Love you, too. All right, well, you guys have fun chatting. I got to go. I have some barbecue to eat. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> Bye, honey.
1: I love a uh, The next caller here is from area code 828. What's your name and where are you calling from?
4: Hi, um, this is Jenna. This is Jenna the Drag Hag Diva. Hi, Polio.
2: Hi, How are Jenna. you, Vivi? I am How's wonderful. It, Jenna, is a, Jenna is an amazing live vocalist and one of my Facebook friends, so I'm so glad you're listening.
4: Yeah, I wanted to listen and support you. I don't have much time, but I totally want to tell you that I think everything you do for the community is such an admirable thing, and I just wanted to take the time to tell you that. I really admire everything you do, and I really wish that, um, like, you know, dealing with drag as much as I do, I really wish that that was something that would spread across the U.S., because a lot of people don't do that. They're all about just getting the crown and doing their thing, which I'm not against, but I kind of like the whole charitable thing You know, I like the charitable part of it. I think that that makes it special. It makes it something you can remember. And um, I really, really admire you for what you do, and um, I admire what you just talked about. That was really hard to do, and um, I think you're a great person. I've really had the pleasure of getting to know you, and um, I've enjoyed it. So I just wanted to let you know that.
2: Thank you, sweetheart. I certainly appreciate that.
4: Well, I, I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a really good day, but I just thought I'd call in and let you know that you're admired all over.
1: <laughs> Thank you, honey. I appreciate Yay. that
4: so much. You guys have a good
1: You too. Thanks. You Bye. Too, out there at the end. Um, I just want to remind people, if you'd like to give us a call here, you can uh, reach us at 347-215-9442. I do have someone from my local area, Philadelphia, here, area code 215. What's your name and where you calling from? Hey, this is Lauren. I'm calling from uh, Philadelphia. Hey, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hey. Um,
6: I'm, like, really, really nervous right now. I'm going to um, – I'm I'm uh, calling because when uh, you were saying that you you haven't told your parents that you have HIV, um, I'm kind of in the same boat, and I did this thing where I came out to a bunch of relatives on Facebook, and um, I kind of thought, well, what if my, my parents find out? Like, I don't want them to find out through someone else that I have HIV. So I kind of made it my mind I was going to do it tonight. And, uh, yeah, I've kind of been thinking about it for the past week. So I'm, like, really nervous. And when I think about it, I have this, like, new respect for my sister because I never came out being gay directly to my parents. Like, I asked her to do that for me. And I didn't realize, like, the position that I put her in. Like, how it was probably, you know, easier for her because she's not the, the person that's gay. Um, but I realize I kind of realized now, like, it was probably a difficult situation and I have like, um, like a new respect and appreciation for what she did for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can relate to it. It's just kind of, it's really hard to get. I've had it for three and a half years and it just seems like why tell them cause they're just going to worry. But I don't know. I don't know if it'll bring us closer together or, or not. So do you think this is like a sign for you? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of inevitable. I can, I just wanted to, you know, call and say, hey, I can relate to, to why people wouldn't want to, you know, tell their parents.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I told
6: my parent, my mom a
3: long time ago and it's, it's never fun. It's never fun news to tell or hear, I don't think, but regardless of kind of what, the outcome is I just think it's important to be truthful and in case you need them at some point or, you know, I think that's beneficial and who knows, they might be really great. And, um, and I think, I mean, I don't know your personal familial situation, but a lot of times, I mean, my mom, I held out probably for four, five or six years before I told her and she was just kind of upset that I didn't have the confidence to tell her sooner. And I, and you know, it, I understand both sides of that argument. It's like you're really you're scared to hurt anyone's feelings and have them worry about you. But at the same time, like you know, there's a lot of great treatments, and it sounds like mm-hmm. you're doing fine. So,
6: good luck. I mean, you know, whatever you do decide to do, good luck with that. Thank you. I think that's true, though, too. I think um, from the other from the other perspective, like if I if I had children, like I would want to know if they were right. HIV positive, like, I would totally want to know. And if I look at it from that perspective, like, yeah, I might be upset too if, if they didn't tell me. That's true. Right. Yeah,
2: I went through a recent situation where I had um, a completely unrelated uh, medical scare. And I waited until after I got the diagnosis finalized and back, which, and it turned out to be fine. But then I called my mom and I said, I just wanted to let you know that um, – you know, went through this experience, and she was really frustrated because
0: <clears throat>
2: growing up, my, my mom's parents were significantly older, and they would all, always do the same thing, where they would say, oh, by the way, I was in the hospital last week, and all this stuff, and it used to frustrate her so much because she feels like it's her familial right, you know, as, a ch- as in that case, a child, to worry and, and be concerned about her parents, and I know that she would feel the same way about this situation. When I finally make myself tell her, when I get to to the point where I'm able to discuss that with her, um, I know that she's going to say, like, you know, all these years I could have been supporting you and loving you. I I know that. And um, it's one of the things that it's still, like, that. there's that internalized, for me, internalized fear that this person that I love and, like, worship and cherish so much in my life is going to be disappointed or sad or hurt or worried and then those are all emotions I don't want to bring up um, you know I, I can completely
6: obviously relate to the situation you're finding yourself in Lauren. Yeah thank you Um, I think too like you just reminded me like my mom is kind of the same way like she wants to be a part of my life and wants to like wants to be there for me so I think um, in, in some way she's actually going to appreciate that I, I'm telling her and I forget that she's a pretty strong person. She's been through a lot of stuff, and I think I'm minimizing how strong she is, or, or I'm forgetting that, because um, the fear is kind of in the way right now, so I think that um, once I do tell her, she'll she'll be pretty strong about it.
1: Well, we wish you luck with that, Lauren.
6: Yep. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <clears throat>
1: and thank,
6: thank you for listening for calling and calling in. in.
1: Yep. You know, that, that, that reminds It's odd for me, because for me, my mom was the third person that I told and it was probably within four days of me being diagnosed that I sat her down and told her so I couldn't imagine not telling you know my mother or my father if he was alive um, for so long and you know it just shows that this disease is individual you know what I mean and everyone's journey and the process to deal with the being diagnosed HIV positive is, is different for everyone and um, it's just one of the things that – one of the messages that we try to portray here is that it's so individual and, and the process is so different for everybody that what works for one person may not work for, you know, the next person. But I think or, overall – yeah, well, but overall for me, I think what I dealt with is, is I had to fully – like we have to fully be okay with our HIV status before we could run it off and, and, and tell other people. And I think that's a process that kind of, you know, takes different – amounts of time for people.
0: Yeah.
3: Right? Well, I, mean, I mean, And I, I also think it's, it, I mean, there's no way around it because of the stigma, because of, I mean, it is an incurable disease and the, you know, at this point, the treatments are really good and hopefully it's a manageable chronic illness, but there's, there is reason to worry and it's always going to be an uncomfortable conversation that no one wants to have. But, you know, you just have to hope for the best outcome. And the other thing is, you can't make someone feel a certain way. You can only present them with the facts and, you know, the fear of like forecasting that, oh my God, my parents are going to be so sad and they're going to be this, and they're going to be that. And I expect them to act a certain way. Well, you don't really know that. I mean, you can guess, but, but the thing is you just have to present them with the facts. And like the caller said, you know, he's assuming his mom's a fairly strong person and, Everyone can deal. I mean, it's not. It's something that everyone can deal with, and 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 hopefully everyone's health, the prospects of everyone's health are fairly good. So, you know, it it, it hopefully is a a good a good case scenario.
2: You know, in my situation, um, the thing that I've always, it it may be an excuse, but the reason I've always given myself for not sharing or disclosing my diagnosis to this point has been that. My mother lives in Florida and I live here in California and this is not a conversation I want to have with her on the phone. You know, I want, I want to be sitting in front of her and have this conversation with her face to face so that she can see that I'm healthy, that I'm happy, that I'm living a fulfilling life because I think those are ultimately what parents want for their children. They want us to be happy. They want us to be fulfilled. They want us to be um, in good health. And if she can see all of those things in front of her, it will visually um, reinforce the idea that, like, this HIV diagnosis has not changed who I am fundamentally. Right. You know, and um, the only time I, I've seen her so infrequently over the over the last number of years um, because of my schedule and because of her schedule, that when I go home it tends to be around holiday times or event occasions. Like, the last time I actually went home uh, – was for a funeral, I mean, those, those are not times necessarily to have that conversation, I don't feel.
3: It's the same excuse I used, by the way, to
0: not <laughs> out
3: Right.
2: For you. Well, I was going <laughs> to
3: say, I'm like, well, when is the right time? Like, I don't know if there's a good time for that conversation, but, but it's, well, uh, I, do, I, I I agree with you. I mean, I think in the, the, and part of the reason when, when, Robert, you were mentioning that you told your parents right off, like, you're very close proximity with your family, right? Or you were.
1: Oh, I mean, we're close. We're a lot closer now, me and my mom. But my mom was always like my best friend growing up. Like my sexual really, experience you live
3: close to her. <laughs> yeah, but like, are, were you? were? You, where did they live? Like, are they? Were you geographically close to them and saw them a lot?
1: When I was diagnosed, I actually lived with my mother
3: and my we'll father. Well, see that. See, I lived yeah, three thousand miles away. Yeah. yeah, I lived the same thing for me. Like, you live in California. Your mom was in Florida. I lived in New York. My mom lived in Seattle. It was like. It was just easy to avoid the topic. Yeah, and then it's yeah. true. Like I actually told my mom when when we when she was visiting and we were in the same place, and you know it's it's hard to have that conversation over the phone when you're not there to, you know, have the face to face time.
2: You know, I didn't come out to my dad until, um, ironically, we we brought up Prop Eight rallies and. Interestingly enough, I came out to my dad the morning after one of the Prop 8 rallies. We did a rally around Prop 8, and it led to a sit-in in 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 an intersection, and I was leading this sit-in in in this intersection, and we stayed there overnight. And I said, it occurred to me that I was saying to people, you know, the best way to win this battle is for each of us to be as out in our public life as we can be. We need the people who care about us, who are surrounding us, to know how this impacts us. So to do that, they have to know our truth. They have to know what our lives are and how this hurts us. So go into your schools, go into your homes, go into your communities and churches and be out and let those people who care about you maybe open their eyes to the subject. Well, I was saying this at eight o'clock when I was leaving the first rally and then at one o'clock in the morning when I'm sitting in this intersection with these people, it occurred to me how hypocritical I was being because of the fact that I hadn't had that conversation with my own dad. I hadn't given him that option to be supportive or not supportive. And so I, I promised there were 75 people in this intersection, and I said, if you guys stay with me until 6 a.m., which is 9 o'clock my dad's time, I will go and I will call him and I will come out to him this morning.
0: Wow. And I did. And I did.
2: And I went and had that conversation. And it wasn't comfortable um, it wasn't heartbreaking either. It was actually kind of uplifting. My my father is something of a redneck. Um, I did not tell him. I sat and I told him that I was gay, but I did not tell him I was dressed like Shira. That,
3: that during that conversation, I was dressed
0: well, like that, Shira. That's just wrong,
3: honey. You couldn't. I mean, what do you want him to have a heart attack? Please.
0: That's a I to come out. I didn't want to kill him. Uh,
1: you oh man,
2: Dad, you know I'm gay, and I'm dressed like She-Ra right now. Right, and, and my
3: wig is a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh
1: man. So. so, do you make your own clothes?
3: Um,
2: I I make a few of my own costumes. I don't. I would be screwed to be honest if I was on RuPaul's Drag Race because I don't sew. I don't really style hair very well. Um, I paint my face pretty well, but I only do one style of paint. Like it's me. That's my personality and my look. Um, I make some stuff, but the thing is, like, I have this, my image alternates between really extreme, like, random looks, like, uh, I I sent you guys that picture uh, with Angina from that fundraiser a couple weeks ago, and I made that outfit that I was wearing, and it's kind of very campy. Angina has this hat that she wears, it's made out of a crocodile's head. Yeah. That's the the ad that we had on the photo, that's the picture we had on the, the ad, rather, and to kind of, like, poke fun at that, I was at Ikea one day, and I saw this. Huge stuffed alligator, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna make an outfit around this alligator. And That's then um,
0: late,
2: later in the evening, I took off my hair, which by the way, I'm wearing that same purple hair right now, and I had this little <laughs> tiny alligator, that, this little tiny alligator on a silver headband, and I put that on with the al- giant alligator on my shoulder, and Angina was dying. It was
0: hilarious. <laughs> you know? So um, I, I alternated
2: bet- between that, that kind of like extreme ridiculous look and my favorite look is I, I feel i tell people that um i just climbed right off the rock of love bus you know like that rocker slutty rocker look
3: yeah i've seen that uh, look
2: yeah I mean, <laughs> um, right now i'm wearing uh go white go-go boots uh, a very very short black mini skirt and um a t-shirt i got at walmart that says it's got grimace from mcdonald's on the front and it says do fries come with that
3: shake <laughs> that describes me pretty much in a nutshell. Oh, so you're going kind of classy tonight. Yeah, I'm dressed
1: yeah. so, so you were um, also on a couple of VH1 reality shows, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, very briefly, I made appearances on uh, the Margaret Cho show. I did an event with her. Um, you know, I've, I've got, I've been on. Tra- I did an episode of Trauma, that really awful NBC series where if you blinked your eye, you wouldn't even notice that I was there. And that was fine because the show was so bad that I didn't really want people to associate me with that. Um, and the, one of the most fun things I ever did actually was uh, at the YouTube Awards, they had this huge thing, millions and millions of people around the country and around the world actually watching. And I got to perform with Katy Perry. There was a group of us, and we uh, opened the show with Katy Perry. That was a lot of fun.
4: Hey,
2: that's that?
3: Yeah, I was, uh, I'm on the streets of San Francisco, and there's a oh,
0: girl.
3: fire trucks. Truck that, right? that happens all the time in New York. Hey, now, so do you still do because you interviewed me on your radio show. Are you still doing that? I'm not doing
2: that any longer. That um, that station – the ironic thing about that station is they brought me on because they loved my personality, and then once they got me on board, they wanted to change my personality. So, right. Um, and it, it was a situation where they said, well, we don't really feel like you um, – are jiving with our listener demographics and I said well didn't you know that uh, when you brought me on however many months ago like didn't you know what your listener demographics
4: were right but,
2: you know they uh, and that was great I mean, I would love to return to that medium I'd love to return to radio on an ongoing basis I would love to do something like that and explore it but it has to be the right thing i probably will end up would end up launching a podcast before I would do that because you can, you know, with a podcast, you can talk about anything you want, and you can have anybody on you want,
1: and you don't have Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Try. I have to a, keep uh, that in. I have to keep that in mind because I have a project in my head that I've been working on for the last year, and um, it, 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 I'll have to talk to you about it off air. But um, I think it's definitely something that I could uh, intertwine with you.
2: Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had uh, my my when I went to school, my degree is in broadcasting, and. Um, political science. So it kind of makes sense now, many years later, uh, that I'm using some elements of both of those in my, you know, in the the life I've forged for myself here, whether it's the journalism aspect of the communications and dabbling in radio. I did a uh, early on when they were starting to launch the gay um, television networks. This was before here came on. There was a a network called uh, Triangle Television Network. It was out of Palm Springs. It was the first gay lesbian broadcasting um, company, and they had me on. I would do call-ins, you know, on a, on a weekly basis where I would call in and talk about entertainment stuff in the Bay Area and tell them about different celebrities I was working with at the time and things like that. It's something that it's always inter- interested me. It's something I've always dabbled in, but um, I don't know. It's not my number one priority. There, there are other things that I think are so much more important. I do think it's a great platform to be able to talk about important issues, though, so. Right.
3: Oh, well, your priority is your wig. I mean, come on. <laughs> if you
2: saw my wigs, you'd know that that's totally incorrect.
3: <laughs> <laughs> have a priority.
1: made by somebody. That you call
3: wigs, girl. <laughs> oh,
1: you so know. Wait, no. Ever...
3: Um, we're kind of getting like we have five minutes left, but I just want to make sure you got in where people could get in touch with you and read your stuff and like where can if someone wanted to find Paul Pratt or uh, Poyo, where, where do they Find you? Well,
2: the easiest way to find me probably is through Facebook, and it's facebook.com. And then my name is spelled P O L L O D E L M A R. It's chicken of the sea, this is in Spanish. P O L L O D E L M A R. And then um, I'm, I'm working really hard to get a following on Twitter, too. And um, my it's at theglamazon.com. V- Amazon, G L A M A Z O N, uh P D M. So it's
3: Doug Lamazon P D M. Yeah, girl, I retweet you and I, I give you I follow Friday, you honey. Oh,
0: I, <laughs>
3: uh, I love it. You know Jessica
2: Wilde like did a, that to me for me recently too. She said, Follow my friend, Poyo Del Mar and like within ten minutes like twenty people had like signed up or whatever to follow yeah, me. Yeah, a really friend amazing. of mine
3: helped me to follow someone I usually do. Just because, so, I, mean, I, I mean, I think it's cool to – I mean, I just started tweeting, again, like three weeks ago, and I do like the fact that you can be bored and, like, flip through what all your friends are saying and, like, just get updated on everything that's going on in five minutes and then be like, okay, I'm done. Like, it's really well, cool. The
0: inter-
3: it's, it's cool.
2: The uh, interesting thing about Twitter, I find, is that um, it allows people in general, like people like me, uh, you know, who, whoever, access to – seeing, like, some of what's going on in the heads of celebrities they follow or, or their friends as well. And it's interesting because I don't have that many followers. I signed up for Twitter not that long ago. But some of the most random and interesting people ha- are following me. Like, you and Angina um, are following me. A number of the girls from um, RuPaul's Drag Race this season are following me. Santino Rice is following me. Kimberly Locke is following me, um, who I love. Kimberly Locke has got a new single coming out, and I'm so excited about that. She's from I know, it.
1: dude. She actually tweeted
3: me and actually retweeted me, and then actually direct messaged me. I'm like, shut up, Kimberly Locke is chatting with me. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I know.
3: Like, it's like you're nope. all of a sudden you're like, actually, Kimberly Locke just sent me a message, and then I like Mappa sent out a tweet that he loves me, and I was like, oh my god, like. It's so weird. Alec
2: Moffa is a doll. I wish he would follow me. I, I follow him. He's from San Francisco. I've worked with him many times. I've interviewed him many times. He's so funny. So, so Alec Mappa, if you're listening, follow me on Twitter. <laughs>
0: you
1: no, know, one of the things uh, I did want to bring up is I wanted to talk about – we have about four minutes left, so if you could do it kind of quick. I want to talk about how you were uh, sainted. Yeah,
2: that was – that me completely, completely by surprise, the, Perpetu- the Sisters of per- Perpetual Indulgence – I'm trying to talk too fast here. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are an organization of drag nuns for all intents and purposes. They probably don't like that term. But, uh, and they do so much amazing work in the community. And one of the things that they do to recognize people whose efforts that they've taken notice of is to saint them. And um, I guess it was on my bir- – I don't know. They did a roast of me a couple years ago. And the sisters showed up, and I just thought they were there because they're my friends. And it turns out that they pulled me up on the stage and sainted me. And it's wonderful because um, I have a plaque in my house now that says that I'm a saint, and all my sins have been washed away. <laughs>
0: oh,
3: my God, that's amazing. It must be a really big plaque of all your sins are washed away. So <laughs> this, is, this is my thought on it. When they, One of them said to me uh,
2: after that about three months later, I was saying something pretty bitchy. And, um, because that does not escape me, you know, and I was saying something really bitchy and one of the sisters said, girl, you're a saint. And I said, N- yes, you're right. But what you told me is that all my sins have been washed away. So that means I get a fresh start. So I'm starting to reaccumulate them.
3: You know, God. I get to do it all <laughs> over again. I, be I love like Roma and um, them. She's amazing.
2: Roma is amazing. Roma is one of the most hilarious people I know, I have to say. I've
3: known Mo- Roma since she was Michael, since we were, like, I was 18 and she was only 40.
0: <laughs> That's pretty much true. That, that
3: actual age
2: difference is pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate.
0: So, I, um,
2: the, the good thing about that white makeup is you can absolutely not see any of the lines on her face.
3: Right, and she's 95, and she's still working that habit. So good for her. The, those same boas have
2: settled well on her head since the 70s, i been told. So, oh my, pretty amazing. Uh, okay, well,
1: we got <laughs> we got about two minutes. So again, um, people can find you on Facebook, right? Poyo Delmar, P-O-L-O Delly. and then on Twitter is Glamazon PMD, right?
2: No, you got it all backwards. It's the Glamazon PDM, as in Poyo Del Mar. The Glamazon PDM. PDM. How do I just say (laughs) of?
1: Well, again, I want to I want to thank you for coming on it and and talking openly and and sharing your story and about all the amazing things that you're doing. And uh, I just want to say kudos to you and um, definitely much respect on this end.
2: Thank you guys for having me on, and I really appreciate um, opening the door to me to kind of share about my HIV. I think that it's a sign for me that it's, as I said, it's time for me to come out of the closet in regards to that and really share openly that aspect of my life because I I just know from watching other people who have done that that it can really touch people and allow them the strength to do the same thing.
0: Yay. Thank you.
1: There you go. Well, you have yourself a great night and enjoy your uh, fundraiser.
3: And you hopefully. hopefully. Yes, I hope so. All right. I, baby.
2: I, I, I hooked Jack up with a date for this weekend, by the way, a hot little Latino boy, so you're going to we'll love it. We'll
3: see. I have to do – I need a headshot first, honey. Oh, Well, I'm sure he'll all get well,
1: that. Thank you for calling in. All
2: right. Bye, guys. All right, baby. Bye. Thanks so much.
1: You know, Jack, just real quick, I want to remind everybody that they can um, download all of our past shows um, on iTunes, if you just go to iTunes and uh, search um, Pause IM Radio. And our show has already been downloaded 25,000 times.
3: Oh, my God, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, so everybody have a great night. Find more information on Jack at jackmackenroth.com. More information on me at com. Have a great night, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. Well, no I made matter,
0: it. honey. Bye. Bye.